and welcome to Filmside Chats. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Dillard. I'm Patrick Foster. And this is a show where we get together and we talk about movies and other stuff we want to really want to talk about, I guess. Once You're, every once every blue moon. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. We got five episodes in the can, and uh, we've got a lot of feedback from it, honestly. And I appreciate everyone who's written to us, talked to us, told us, you know, how we suck and how not to suck going forward. So. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely means a lot to us, so we're 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 taking some some of those and and moving forward. Our fans our fans were very gentle with their with their uh, mm-hmm. feedback, which was nice. It was nice. Uh, we're we're very fragile people, as you know, and we'd, we'd probably cry ourselves to sleep. But I mean, I do anyway. So right, I, yeah, that yeah. doesn't matter. That's that typical. Matter. So it is. It is. So in. Um, as we, let's jump into some news this week, Patrick. Do you have any news in the movie world since we last talked? It's been it's been a while. Um, so. I mean, the, I, could, I guess the only news that that I've heard are mostly things that you've you've covered uh, in your other podcast, Superhero Slate. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's ironically, yeah. I mean, uh, are you talking about the um, Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? Yes. Okay. And and what do you think of that? What was your thoughts on it? Um, I can understand uh, your disappointment, I guess, in them reusing the song, since I know the soundtrack meant so so much to you, or or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll let you talk about that, obviously. But um, I think it, I mean it was just a teaser. It's to get people to remember that hey, I like that movie. I don't know much about it, but or you know much about that franchise, but that song, you know it. It'll bring back that memory for people, and I think that's the idea of the the teasers yeah. to, to get people excited and get people involved. Um, other than that, uh, I'm I'm pumped to see uh, Yandu as part of the the Guardians. The Guardians. Um, uh-huh. I'm really interested to see where this story goes. With, I mean, they they already had to um, kind of balance a bunch of. Uh, cast members before and now obviously the Guardians cast has grown so you mm-hmm. know there's always a, a challenge there with these ensemble casts and, and balancing uh, each of their stories uh, while keeping all the characters interesting so yeah I I mean I really enjoyed the first one probably probably my favorite uh, superhero movie and okay, yeah. Um, so I, yeah I'm really excited to see uh how this one how this one um shapes up yeah so it's the first movie of may uh starting off that summer blockbuster season if you will and uh, i'm glad we got a teaser this this time of year uh, I, I actually i keep track of when trailers drop for marvel and, and comic book movies because you can kind of see they drop them the same time every year to get ready for the next season were you, like sur- were you surprised that it was dropped then before um doctor, doctor strange, strange? No, because I think tying Guardians trailer to Doctor Strange only goes to in, help enforce this new franchise they're trying to build. So um, I, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I actually guessed the 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 twenties of October uh, was was my guessing range. So I actually fell right into place. You got one right. I did. I got one. Got one. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I, you mentioned I. I did say I was disappointed they used that because the soundtrack is so integral to the Guardians movie. Um, they they picked a bunch of songs and they put them in there and they played them and I could listen to that, that soundtrack for days. Uh, honestly, I probably do actually. I listened to it quite a bit. <laughs> and um, what what really? I'm not I'm not mad at it. I just want to know what the next big song is. But you're right. They put it in there for nostalgia reasons to draw the people in who don't know what's going on. And um, I'm I'm 
I'm not mad. Like I said, I just, uh, uh, like I said, not mad. Just wish they had a new song. But I guess when we get the full trailer, this is a teaser, we, we will get that. Yeah, most likely. But not only did we get a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, teaser trailer, we actually got the full, first full trailer for the upcoming Logan movie, which is the third Wolverine solo film. Yeah, I um, did get a chance to see that one too. What did you think of that? That one actually caught me more off guard than the Guardians of the Galaxy did. Um, Completely different tone uh, for Fox, which uh, mm-hmm. interested me already. Um, I don't know much about the... Um, Logan, Logan's sidekick, uh, or whatever's happening there okay. in the trailer. Uh, so I guess I, I don't have any experience going into it. I did feel like the trailer seemed to give almost give away too much. Uh, I feel like it definitely had a, obviously a very ominous and sad tone. Um, it's, I mean, I guess the scene in particular that really bugged me was in the trailer. It, they presumably show him burying someone in the woods mm-hmm. and crying. Um, I, I mean, even if that is a, uh, you know, a misdirection of some sort, I, I still don't like them including that in the in the teaser, I guess. But um, other than that, it, you know, it is a rated R offering from Fox, completely different tone, right. almost like a road trip sort of movie. Well, not road trip. That's a bad comparison. But, um, it, you know. Small cast, seemingly, uh, as compared to some of these others, and a but a tight cast of equally important people to the lore, which is mm-hmm. which is something different than what X Men, uh, especially these Wolverine movies, seem to do. It's it's either him, uh, it's either Logan with a bunch of disposable people that we don't expect to show up in any other superhero movie typically, or it's Logan with a uh you know a large cast of other x-men and here we it's just him professor x and someone that could possibly take up the mantle Mm -hmm. and the x-men i guess i don't know the lore of that like i said but um well so so we're lucky because this is a loose adaptation of several properties so we don't know which way they're going to go um a lot of people assume they were going with the old man logan storyline but they can't because 90% of the characters actually are in Marvel films. So um, they're kind of p- doing a patchwork of stories. Um, but the, the the little girl you saw um, is supposedly uh, Laura Kinney, who is X-23, who is a, an attempt to clone Wolverine and successfully create a Weapon X project. Oh, very cool. Um, so, But if she's to take up the mantle, this takes place in the future. How does she get back to that that timeline? You know what I'm saying? Um there's a lot of questions. I don't. I. I mean, I agree with what you talked about with the the shovel in the forest scene. Um, I definitely agree. That's if you can pick out kind of what that is just by watching it. But, um, but I did. Did you watch the 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 red band or international trailer? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, there is one scene added to that. Just one that's uncut. It's like straight scene where he takes his claws through someone's head, and you get to see the whole thing. So. Uh, they're definitely going for that really that really R-rated yeah. <laughs> going with violence and gore and, and probably language. If I was a betting man, right? And I mean, there are, I I would I would say that they probably included that in the red band trailer or included a red band trailer in general would be just to show that scene and really mm-hmm. emphasize that they're they are um, embracing they're the R hard. rating that it will be a yeah. rated R movie. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think I think I'm I'm really looking forward to that. It comes out in March. We're less. We're about four months away from it. Very close. Um, so I, I was really surprised the trailer came out so late in the year for it, but at the same time, the the music with it. I mean, honestly, if you didn't know it was like a, a mutant movie, it kind of looks like it's kind of you know award an award winning film. Like they put some thought and care into it a little bit. So. I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm looking forward to it, so we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. And as always, you can hear more of that over on Superhero Slate, where we, we break it down for you. Um, but now my favorite part of the show, um, actually, is what we've been watching, or what we're watching. Yep, and, and we, have a lo- we have a lot to catch up on since we've been absent for about two weeks. So Yeah, so um, let's go ahead and throw it out. You got to see a movie in theaters. I did. I went um, and saw The Accountant with uh, Ben Affleck. And, uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't what I expected, um, to be honest, Okay. but I dug it. Uh, at, at first I didn't know what to think. There, there's a scene in the movie that, uh, I would say that bothers me. Uh, and the only reason that is the case is you, you get really good performances throughout the movie and a movie that does a good job of showing you, not telling you, um, things, up to a certain point in the movie, and then inexplicably, inexplicably, for one scene, they do about a, I don't know, five to ten minute scene, it's a longer scene, where it is basically um, flashbacks, and storytelling over the flashbacks, and... I just I, th- I felt like there was more effective ways for them to for them to do that for them to show that, um, but that that being said, uh, that it was a pretty small grievance in what I thought was a a worth a worthwhile film. Um, like I said, very good performances by uh, J.K. Simmons and Ben Affleck. Uh, Anna Kendrick was uh, kind of a uh, a unique character in the film. Uh, she was mm-hmm. almost like a, I don't know, comedy relief in a way, but it worked. Not that she is a hysterical person, but that the rest of the film was just so dour um, in a way that um, having an actual person with, you know, I guess a little bit more, um, like a little bit more emotional person helps uh, really bring up the other performances of uh, Ben Affleck and J.K. Simmons. You didn't think that they were just always being just gruff old men uh, sort of thing uh, because she was around to kind of enlighten a few scenes. Um, I did laugh out loud a couple times, uh, not just at her scenes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there there were some interesting uh twists and storytelling elements uh going into it i was like well after maybe the first even after maybe the first like 30 45 minutes i was like oh so this is jason Bourne, you know four or five or you know whatever uh super super soldier sort of thing but it turned out to be um so much better than that and i i i mean i guess that's the best thing i can say about it really okay all right well that's good i think that's a patrick seal of approval Yep. Now, when you say rush to the theaters or rent this one at home? No, rent it, rent it at home. Um, good okay. movie. Definitely worth watching. It's, uh, I mean, it's probably not going to make any appearances in, in award season or anything. I just thought it had some, um, you know, interesting little twists on the super soldier, mysterious action flick sort of 
guy. I don't know. Uh, worth okay. watching. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, I took um, a little step outside of my normal zone and watched an independent <laughs> film last week uh, called Primer. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a... It's. I think it's only like an hour fifteen. It's. It's not a very long film, but it's. It looks. It's a very low budget film based on time travel, and I tell you what, it's a very slow burn. Like that. That movie it takes a while because these guys who are scientists are trying to figure out a way to, I guess, create a deeper freeze or a quicker like freezer, and they accidentally discover time travel, and they were like, "Well, we accidentally did this. You know, what can we do with it?" And they keep trying to, you know, go back in time and make money and make money, but they keep messing things up and then trying to figure out how to get out of this time travel loops and stuff like that. Um, definitely a different, it's not like their time travel, there's not instantaneous. I think they say it takes like 10 hours or something like that. Um, and they can set it to go back just to like to the morning of, and I don't know, it was really, it, it's a slow burn. So if you're, if you want something quick and snappy, you're not going to like it, but if you want something thought provoking and like very, very, I guess high concept, um, it, you're going to, you're going to love it. So I don't know if you've seen it, but I have not, uh, um, I've uh, heard it of def- it, it feel- but that's about it. It feels like a college, it feels like a student film, but at, at first you're like, what is going on here? Like why? And then by the end, you're, you're really more invested in the characters and, they come into their own rather than what what was happening at the beginning of the movie. So, I uh, um, I'm just looking at the IMDb page and scrolling down. Um, the its estimated budget was seven thousand dollars, and uh, it was in theaters for about three and a half months. Looks like, and it mm-hmm. grossed four hundred twenty-five thousand. So, big big return on investment there, huh? Yeah, opening weekend was twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, so I mean, uh, again, it, it's very low budget, very very um, indie, uh, independent film. But I, I think if you're into something time travel and something that has its rules very set in stone, um, I think I think I think you'll enjoy it. But if you want something quick and snappy, again, a la Jason Bourne stuff um, or something of that nature, like maybe Looper, you're probably not gonna enjoy this one very yeah. much. Uh, speaking of mm. s- slow burns, um, I did uh, watch Midnight Special as well since our oh, last. Oh, it, it's back! <laughs> we should call our we should call our podcast the Midnight Special. We well, I I would not appreciate that because I did not enjoy the movie whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see what you were saying uh, as far as a slow burn and as far as a lot of things being left up to mystery. And uh, that is kind of Jeff Nichols' M.O. from from movies that I've seen. But the problem that I have with this film, and without giving anything away, and I would like to hear from other people to see if they agree with us or disagree, whatever. But um, So the problem with the, the way he wrote this one is he gives so little away and keeps so many things a mystery that it's becomes harder and harder for him to build up stakes for his characters. Um, mm-hmm. There is no... By the end of the film, you feel like nothing has been gained or lost, uh, in a way. Um, and I, I take that from... Like I said, I'm trying not to give anything away, but you don't know exactly why things matter. Um big picture wise you don't know why uh his abilities matter uh you don't know right. why um 
he has the abilities, even though he tries to explain it to you, the audience, and his cohorts in the, in the movie, um, you don't know what his explanation means in the big picture. Like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? There are no stakes uh, that uh, are tied in with tied in with that, as well as the the people that are after him. Um, we don't we don't know much about them either. Um, <laughs> whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so just so little. At the end of def- the day, we don't know right. anything about this movie. <laughs> right. So little is defined for me that it was hard for me to become invested. Um, I really enjoyed the, um, the cultish sort of um, elements of the film, especially like the early on uh, interviews with mm-hmm. the, uh, I believe it was the CIA agent um, played by Adam Driver. And um, his he just knew Adam Driver just knew things in this movie, and that bothered me. Yeah, that's a true lot as well. But uh, anyway, his uh, but his interview with the cultists and, and that sort of element when the fact gathering stuff was still interesting and it, it served to drive the plot pretty well. But yeah, I I uh, I cannot give this one the the stamp of approval. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's I it you, I there is so much not in that movie like i asked i was even me was asking too many questions by the end and not the good kind of questions because i'm like what is going on why is this happening this is just all luck everything just fell into place kind of deal right and Um, it's not it's not that the movie is confusing um you you understand where the characters are and what they are doing at all times but you you just don't understand the why or the stakes or mm -hmm. the yeah the process of it or what (laughs) what it all means um, well, that might be um, a trend we have talking about some of the other movies on our topic for today. So that's true. Uh, we'll keep we'll keep that in the back of our mind. Um, but I watched a film yesterday that I, I don't know if I would suggest anybody. I watched the animated film Sausage Party from this summer. Um, I, I I didn't pay for it. I downloaded it um, to be honest and. You know, at first I giggled due to it's there's a lot of shock factor in this film. They're there to shock you and like make you be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they got away with this in a movie that looks like it was made by Pixar. But by the end of the film, it's just gone off the rails. Like it started off with like a message and you know, like we're gonna, you know, say this is, you know, a more uh, like a metaphor for society and then by the end it was just off the rails and just vulgar to be vulgar that I was very, very honestly just turned off by the end i'm like i don't even care anymore like all your shock values out the window because you, you did it all early on um sure. did the you, animation you finished they, it then oh i did i did i definitely i watched it through the end um and, and you haven't seen it have you i have not correct no i have zero yeah. interest in in that movie not not just because of the vulgarity of it but um i have not been really entertained by i I think we talked about this in our very first podcast just like the i guess the stoner comedy the seth rogan Mm -hmm. sort of vehicle just i mean it doesn't appeal to me i i do not i don't find that humorous typically so it yeah it there wasn't a lot of that honestly to be in this one um but like if you're like in high school and like you like you want to feel cool you would watch this movie with your friends and laugh at all the, like the sex jokes, because that's pretty much what it is. Okay, and, and a metaphor against um, religion as a whole. So uh, it's 
there's a lot a lot of people would be offended watching this movie yeah and i wasn't i wasn't offended except like i was offended they made a bad movie sure i wasn't offended at the movie i'm offended like you guys just kind of gave up so um i can't i can't give that one my seal of approval unless you really just want to go watch something that's gonna like like ha 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 this hot dog is saying the f word quite a bit so (laughs) great and then lastly, I got one more movie. I don't know if you have any more. Do you have any more movies? No, that's it. This this movie ties into our topic for the day. Okay. Um, and I actually watched Pokemon the movie 2000. Okay. Uh, are, have you watched any of the Pokemon films? Patrick? I have not. Okay. Well, this was the second one. And um, it, it's not based on any of the uh, video games per se. But it does include some of the quote-unquote legendary birds. Um, the first Pokemon movie was huge, so they, they followed up with the second one and um, tried to outdo it and, and appeal to people who like the games. And they did, and I, I enjoyed the second one. It's actually got a, a good... All these movies have good morals in them, so they're not they're not horribly offensive to either taste or story-wise. But um, if you're not into Pokemon, you probably won't care, but if you like it, you know, you've seen Pokemon the movie 2000. So... Um, I, I like it, so yeah, I give it my thumbs up in terms of Pokemon movies. But that ties us into our topic today, which is video game movies. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Yeah, so um, when you we kind of talked very briefly this week about what our what our topic was going to be, and um, while I thought it was a good topic and worthwhile, that's why I agreed to it. It's I, I like it how when we come up with a topic, we intentionally keep it very vague so we have no idea the direction that uh <laughs> that you uh, that we're both going to go in um i took this uh, like uh as i guess a much bigger picture look at video game movies um it seems i mean and obviously this is uh not an accident but you know m- most of most of these have happened you know more recently obviously it's been uh, a more recent phenomenon and that's i mean because video games are i mean that's a real right. that's an hour lifetime sort of thing um but for you know whatever the 50 we'll say i haven't counted them but the the 50 theatrical release video game movies that have come out in the united states i have seen very few of them um and that really <laughs> surprised me because there are not a whole lot of movies that I'll say no to. And um, I know that we haven't discussed this very much in our podcast, but you and I are both pretty avid video game players. Um, yeah. So it was it was actually very surprising to me how few of these movies I've seen. Um, what, was, what was your experience as you first... I assume that you looked down the, like the, the list on Wikipedia. Yeah, so I pulled up the Wikipedia list for the theatrical releases, and I was actually more surprised... At the first video game movie, I did not know the first one is obviously probably heralded as one of the worst ones on this list. Um, and it is the only I one was, I own. Yeah, well, there you go. I actually own more of these than I'd like to admit. <laughs> and I've seen, uh, there may, I could probably count on my hand, one hand, how many of them I have not seen. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're the exact opposite of me. Yes, okay. um, most mostly because I think a lot of these movies, I didn't have any affiliation with that video game franchise at that point in time. 
so I didn't know what I was getting into. Sure. And um, I, I would almost say that that is the exact uh, opposite of my experience. Um, so th- that was one thing that I wrote down when we were approaching this podcast, which uh, is a weird element that might affect the bottom line of a film is um, how do you measure who will like or who will see this adaptation, even if you've made a good one? So the like the gaming audiences that aren't invested in the IP already, they might have less interest in the film, even if it's a genre that they typically enjoy. Um, like uh, a genre of film is what I mean. Because mm-hmm. if they feel like they don't like that game, like if they are familiar with the game, they're like, ah, I don't like that game, so I don't want to see that movie. Um, and I, I feel like I, I probably was turned away from a lot of these based purely on that. Yeah, I mean, I I could totally see that, and I think if I don't have the the statistics on that right now, but it looks like a lot of these um, are were in that two thousand to two thousand you know seven two thousand nine range where they came out with you know adaptation after adaptation. We have comic book adaptations in that time frame being thrown at you left and right, and they were making them as fast as they could turn them out, and the quality wasn't getting any better by the time they the, you know that that boom dropped off, so to speak. Uh, but also how many of these are R rated? Um, it would be another question, you know, like how much of an audience does that turn off? Because, you know, a lot of kids like to go see video game movies. I know when I was younger, I did like to watch video game movies mostly cause I didn't know what a good movie was, but you know, I, I, I just enjoyed watching things that, you know, maybe I can go pick up that game later, uh, somewhere around the corner. Yeah. Kind of deal. I mean, but some of the more popular franchises, um, mm-hmm in gaming in gaming today are um mature rated games so i guess it's not it's not all that surprising that a lot of these um franchise pieces that are being um converted over to film uh, do find their ratings tend to be you know skewed uh, towards rated Mm -hmm. r but that's a good point on how it would cut down it i mean especially with uh some parents being pretty lax in what video games they allow uh, in comparison to what, you know, what movie theaters allow. Um, right. So I, I remember buying uh, mature ready games before I was like when I was 16 and you know, the local Walmart didn't care. So, right. Um, probably the same way with the theater. I think the theater let me in to see R rated films without really checking either because small town, right? They don't care. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so we, when I sent this topic over, I'm like, you know, why... I guess looking at this, it is obvious one thing is for sure about video game movies, Patrick. And what do you think that is? Um, they are not very well received by audiences. They don't work. Video game adaptations... I was trying to be nice. Well. I was trying to be yeah. nice. Yeah, and that's great. But I... And we, I think, you know, we've dropped a video game movie hints throughout the you know, thing that I have a, a distaste with one of the directors who has directed probably the most of the films on this list. Um, yeah. With the director, Uwe Boll. Uh, I believe he started with um, Alone in the Dark, which is One, the lowest rated movie on this list. 1% Rotten Tomatoes. 1% Rotten Tomatoes. Nine, 9 on Metacritic. The only single digit on here. Um then he went on to do Blood Rain, which spawned three sequels. Four percent. Two sequels. Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, 
He did. Uh, I don't think he did. Sound, he went on to do Postal. Eight percent. Eight percent. And I believe it has the smallest monetary gain, box office revenue, with one hundred forty-six thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Um, I didn't even notice that. Of, yeah, which is sad because I actually like of of Bowles films. Postal is my favorite film. Um, it's if the Grand Theft Auto came to life, pretty much. Uh, the funny thing about that, though, is that that franchise, I mean, I guess I don't have those numbers in front of me. Uh, forgive me for not being as prepared as I should have. But Postal, of all of the franchises on this list, perhaps except for maybe Blood Rain, um, I, I would venture to guess that Postal was one of the lower the lower sellers of any of these franchises. Yeah, uh, yeah. Postal is a very violent video game that I think the sequel was banned in some countries because it was deemed too violent. Yes. So, um, yeah, it, it probably did not make a lot of money at all. It's hard. It's probably hard to find stuff like that. So, um, I see Gary Coleman promoting Postal too. So we know it can't be that good if you just do a quick search. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he also did In the Name of the King, a dungeon siege tale. Because it was Which necessary start- for you to have that suffix on there. Yes. Um, it was The original game was just called Dungeon Siege. Uh, this one actually started um, the starred Jason Statham in it. Which I do, re- I do recall those, uh, those trailers, and I was wondering what in the world I was watching. Yeah, yeah, definitely there's that. Oh, I'm sorry. We go back. He actually started in 2003 with House of the Dead. Which is, I think, based on an arcade game. Okay. So, and then the, his most recent one, I believe, has been um, Far Cry. Which, Far Cry has actually gone to be a pretty big series. Um, that I can't say for these other ones, but um, they're still making Far Cry games and, and for new consoles at that. Yeah, so that was in 2008. Was that, bef- mm-hmm. that was, what well, I'm guessing, after the release of Far Cry 2? I don't, I don't know uh, off the top probably, of my Probably, head. Probably in Far Cry 2 range. Yeah, there was a couple sequels in there. And he's gone... I think the last movie he did was a Blood Rain sequel. Yeah, October um, 21st, 2008 was when Far Cry um, 2 came out. Okay, uh, and I take it back. He's actually done three in the name of the King movies. So. Oh, wow. There we go. Um, so, the lowest rated films on here... <laughs> The lowest monetarily dollar films on here are made by one director. Yes. So we just want, I want to get that out of the way because the guy is a, a disaster to filmmaking. Sure. Okay. But that aside, none of yes. these are um, – well, very few of them are big earners. There are some, uh, mm-hmm. there are some outstanding earners on this list. But yes. um, even fewer are well-received um, by audiences. I don't believe we have a single fresh – uh, movie on here according to Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think a single one breaks 50%. That's correct. Yeah, the highest one looks to be like Angry Birds. Uh, the highest earner? No, I'm sorry. The highest Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Final oh, yes. Fantasy Spirits Within is the highest. The Spirits Within, um, and that's followed very closely by the Angry Birds movie, which was also this year. Yes. Um, so... You're, you started off by before you went just went on a rampage, uh, went on a rampage against Uwe Boll, poor, poor yes. fellow. Um, you started off by saying that uh, they do not work, essentially, is what yes. you were saying. And no. I, at the risk of us agreeing all the time, again, it, that's the bottom line of everything I wrote up 
today as well is that this will never happen um yes ever um there are too many ways to fail uh and it i mean essentially you are i mean if you're a popular enough franchise i suppose you are automatically alienating um you know I don't know what the splits would be for, like, say, if uh, they created a, a new, uh, let's, we'll say, Bioshock. Say they made a Bioshock movie. What would be the percentage of people that go to that that are fans of the game as opposed to just people that think it looks like an interesting movie? Really difficult to figure out what that breakdown is. But you are going to be alienating one side or the other, even if you make a very good movie. Um, mm-hmm. and so that, I mean, that's kind of where all my points lead. And I mean, there are a lot of sub elements to that where, where we can defend that premise. Um, right. But yeah, it's, it is really difficult to kind of, uh, walk that tightrope. It is. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, and, and that, this is the question, you know, I've been kind of asking myself uh, for the past couple of weeks when we brought this up is. You know, they risk alienating one audience, but most of these end up alienating both audiences. Correct. Um, which is mind mind blowing because you're like, okay, I want to make a good movie for movie's sake, right? Or I want to make a good movie for the fans' sake, and it seems like I don't know if they try to mix it, and that's where the problem is, or you know, they just turn off their new like ears and like, here's a story, let's add this franchise title to it. And I think something, you know, I'm going to use as an example is Super Mario Brothers. Um, there are a lot of references to the video game in Super Mario Brothers when it came out in 1993. But, you know, you got two brothers who are plumbers, they have the names. But when you look at, like, the games, you have a, a, a an Italian plumber going along to save Princess Peach from Bowser, right? That's all it is. You, you avoid turtles and Goombas. Okay, well, in this one... The Goombas and the the Koopas, they I don't know their design choices. Like they're they're hulking monstrous creatures compared to the little bitty ones you see actually in the game. Uh, Bowser is actually Dennis Hopper, who actually kind of looks like Donald Trump. If I'm going to be honest with you, the more I sit here and think of it, at the time, who was evolved from dinosaurs. Like there's no lore from the video game they pulled from. I feel like they made this movie and it's like, let's throw in Yoshi who looks like Velociraptor and Daisy who wasn't even the main princess in the, in the main games. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I do think, you know, if you make a movie based on the video games alone, the lore, the characters, the gameplay, you're going to alienate the, the regular movie going audience. Cause they're not going to care. But if you go the other way and make a movie for the regular audience or make a, try to make a good movie and, you know, you're going to have to alienate the video game because video games, I don't think video games translate very well. It's the same way with comic books. They don't translate over very well that, um, you know, you're going to alienate the video game fans. And you know, as we were talking about earlier, you know, what, what, what kind of base does that have? Like, you know, video games are now making more money than movie releases. Sometimes like you have your tent pole or blockbuster video games. And you know, if you alienate those audiences, you know, are you going to hurt your income? Or if you, you know, end up using that uh, uh, branding or marketing or that, that title or license, as you said, uh, will that 
help it, but not, you know, in a good way. I don't know. You you actually, um, you brought up a really good point there where you say that not, even not all video or sorry, not all comic books, uh, translate well to the screen either. So, I mean, it's, it's not even just that they have, um, you know, the normal factors working against them, um, of, you know, not all these games or other properties that turn into movies are any good. Not, you know, it's the, it's the same factors with all other movies that get made. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. just, um, you, you have difficulty translating whatever your inspiration is into film. And, uh, I think with video games there, there's just more of a, um, like a careful balance that has to be set and uh, one that's often impossible to reach. No, I, I, I definitely agree. I think they don't, they don't lend themselves well to adjustments very well either. Um, an example, um, I'm going to use uh, Captain America Civil War. It does not follow the comic book of the same name, but people are forgiving of this. Um, and I don't know if it's because there's already a basis, you know, in, in 13 other movies, or it's the fact that, you know, people who've made these movies have made these changes and they've been, you know, good changes. Uh, I don't know if that can happen for for video game movies. Uh, yeah, I think... Well, for that example, though, I, th- I think the, the difference there is when we're talking about, um, I don't know, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Uh, the That game has been played by you know, hundreds of millions of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that might even be a low estimate, you know, like a lot of people. It's a very influential video game. Yes. Like one of the most. Right. How many people have read Captain America's Civil War? Um, I, I just, I feel like we're talking about two totally different things there. Um, well, I guess, even... I, I guess, but I mean, I, I look more as maybe more recently. Mario Brothers, I think, is a bad example on your behalf because there is no narrative in Mario Brothers. Okay. Except save the princess. But I, I, sure. I, I, get what you're, I get what you're going for here. You know, a lot more people have been influenced by these video games and have ideas of what they should be more so than the comic books. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. I mean, um, you know, again, a, a good time to bring up we've lost some audio recording you're picking up um, scrambling four, three, four days later here. But yeah. since our last Sorry, recording... Guys. It's been yeah, such a headache this week. It, we are we are not having a good technology week. But that's okay. <laughs> because we're still having a good time talking about this. And it's true. The, one of the funniest news things after we finished our first recording earlier this week is that director Uwe Boll has retired from making movies yet again. Again. Uh, yes. Again. That's the best part. Um, it all starts. started, he was making a sequel, he, he did a Kickstarter for Postal 2, and it ended up really bad and, like, no money got made. And now he's blaming that, you know, this on streaming movies. There's You can stream movies anywhere. You, could, you, you know, you're not going to make it because, you know, the movie market's dead. I have no idea. But, um... It, it brings me back to the idea, you know, or, or the conversation we're having here is that, you know, he, his movies suck ultimately because he tried to adapt these games and, you know, alienate, and I think he got big names in, but like broke both sides of, you know, the treaty of like the average moviegoer was like, this movie looks awful. The video game people were like, this movie looks awful. And he just didn't get it the whole way through. 
<laughs> that's so I think you know he broke that rule that we're talking about. It's like you, you got to cater to one audience or the other. He just catered to no one but himself, and uh, we all we all suffer for it. Patrick, I, I I don't know I don't know how many of those you've watched. I don't know if you've ever seen Nuve Bull film, but um I I don't think I have. Having sat through bad films class with you, I actually enjoyed some of those. Most of these, um, I'd rather rather get teeth pulled. Really. So, Kicking the nuts, if you will. Okay, so. actually, I can tell you that I I didn't watch I didn't watch it all, but I can tell you that I've seen the majority of Blood Rain. Okay, yeah, that was that's actually um, Christiana Loken, I believe, is the actress in that, who was also the Terminator in Terminator Three. So she suffered a lot of bad stuff all at once. That's why we don't hear from her anymore. That poor young woman. Yeah, she was foreign. She's European. They they definitely uh, they got what they wanted out of her and moved on. Okay. So yes, uh, you want to talk about something worse than Uwe Boll films? The technology the technology <sighs> failings we've had this week. But I yeah. think we're good. Or I'm going to jinx it. One of the two. We're going to find out very yep. soon. If, if I disconnect in a few seconds, we'll find out. Yes, and then we will have just given up and uh, said our goodbyes. So <laughs> if if this is the last you hear of us. Thanks for listening. We'll have better luck next time. Yep. All right, there we go. So we've got that out of the way. In okay, case good we deal. To get a false ending. So, but until then, um, Patrick, uh, I don't know what else we want to talk about here. You've got some notes. I've got some notes. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I played a little bit of Pokemon this morning on my on my 3DS, and I think I don't know if we've talked about this before, but we did last time with Pokemon films, video oh, right. game movies being. Yeah. One a year since 1998, uh, or 1999 era. Like, I find that still mind-bottling, if you will. Uh, your mind's like trapped in a bottle and can't, just can't get out. Because <laughs> um, I watched Pokemon the movie 2000, and I'm trying to catch up to the TV show. There's one movie for every season, which is yearly, which is why they do this. Um, what? How do you feel about the Pokemon movies? Like, since they're doing one a year, they they don't look like slowing down. The this twenty years this year of Pokemon, Patrick, it's a big resurging trend. What? Why do you think those keep on going, but most other maybe video game movies or adaptations only get like one or or very few? I I think there are a ton of different factors at play here, but I, I mean first first I, I guess I, I have a couple questions for you because I don't I don't know much about them. I am not a, a Pokemon uh, follower Master? or professor, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- those movies they are they do not get theatrical releases stateside typically. Is that correct? Um, there hasn't been one in a few years. But they are re-releasing some this year because of the 20th anniversary. Okay. So it's hit or miss. But I would say most likely over the years, the number of theatrical releases have, in fact, diminished. Okay. And the show or whatever, the show, the cartoon, the lore... Was the game was the first element of that, or was the or was the show cartoon the first element? Of the Pokemon? game is the first. Um, the the very the games were the first creations. Everything else is a spinoff of the video game. Okay. So it's it's evolved in the you know trading card games, spinoff video games, TV show, the movie, so on and so forth. I, I would say that one factor working in um, in favor of the Pokemon movies. Uh, 
is perhaps how not mainstream they are. I mean, I, I guess this theory is kind of broken up pretty easily based on like how many small budget, you know, um, video game movies there are that have mm-hmm. just been bad. But um, I guess my point is like there are like reviews out for these that it's generally the same thing or, you know, a similar sort of thing um, consistently, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Um, and you have an, uh, a very, I don't know, passionate audience that, that follows uh, these movies. And, I mean, are they entirely animated, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. Yes, they are. Um, I mean... Maybe the, just these production costs are kept pretty low through their animation. It, um, computer-generated animation, as you can uh, tell, I don't know much about them. But. I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, okay. The reason being, I, I assume it's evolved into computer animation, but it's all the same art style that it once was, which I assume could have been hand-drawn Okay. in the 90s. You know, it might just be, it might just be a case of... Um, where the games uh, rely, it seems like, uh, on a great deal of um, imagination as is. Mm-hmm. Where then when you get to see them come alive in live action, it doesn't matter if the like the story is great or anything like that. Because, I mean, so when you go to combat in a Pokemon game, you get, you know, two pretty still uh, images and... You know, it's just uh, turn-based attacks. At least I haven't seen one that's different from this. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. No, I, I, you're you're doing good so far. Keep it okay. Up. All right. So, I mean, maybe it's the fact that these games are not very. Um, I mean, there's a general outline of the story, I suppose, but they're not very narrative-driven, nor are they very cinematic. So, seeing. Uh, seeing a narrative and a cinematic approach to it automatically interests the, you know, the passionate fan base that it has, and they can go in any direction, and not really um, alienate alienate the lore as long as you have pokeballs, trainers, <laughs> and you know, um, well, all the same names of these creatures. I, I'm gonna kind of go. With, I, I guess I mean that's a very oversimplified approach, simply because. I don't think the fan base who saw the Pokemon the first movie in 1999 is the same fan base who's watching them today. Um, I, I honestly think there's an age range for people who enjoy Pokemon. I'm in that age range, obviously. Um, but I don't. I didn't play all the games. I, I skipped a few here there. So I, I don't know if there's a, a massive Pokemon fan base. And um, just doing a quick glance here, um, there are very diminishing returns. Obviously, the movies died off every year. Uh, that they release them theatrically, at least in America. I don't, I don't well, know about that. that's not what you implied when you were talking about it. You're like, why are these successful year after well, year? Well, by, by successful, I mean they continue to do so. They continue to be released in their home country, Japan, to, to you know, to, to like, you know, like, I think we said 28 million average um, per movie, which, uh, you know, in, in America, average, you know, would it, uh, between 17 and 43 million is is what I would say for those. I, I don't... I mean, just saying, like, there are some things that work better. Um, and, and Pokemon does have lore. I'd say the games are narrative-driven. They're RPGs, much like a Final Fantasy game or something like that would be. I, I just... 
I'm just looking at, you know, when we talk about video game movies, I don't want to forget about the other ones. Like, we're sitting here talking about Tomb Raider and, uh, you know, uh, these Postal, Blood Rain, Uwe Boll movies, Silent Hill, uh, stuff like that. I just didn't want to forget about the other ones, you know, that we may not think of off the top of our heads. Because, you know, maybe we see them a lot. Um, I think they work because they have the lore built in. I think they, they have the lore and they don't alienate it as much because they run parallel with the TV show as well. I think maybe if you watch the TV show, or, or there's kids, gotta love, kids love movies, right? Um, love the Pokemon. So I don't know, that was just something I wanted to bring up. So Okay. Um, it, we talk, I don't know if we've talked about it in before our recordings got cut off or not, but something that I thought you, we, we had a really good talk about was the idea of a the video games that work versus don't work. Do the ones that have a faceless protagonist where you're supposed to be the protagonist don't they they don't work because you're supposed to experience it in the game rather than you know if someone who's like a third person like a laura croft or or, or nathan drake kind of movie that works because you're already watching somebody else right because you you don't experience that i I guess do you have an opinion on on which one i guess works better as a i think the if i was to say anything the ones that are non like if you are what uh, the the ones that are focused on a character that has a name, Laura Croft, Nathan Drake, um, you know, um, stuff like that. That I think those work better than the faceless, you know, Doom guy being, you know, translating to a Doom movie because you don't care about Doom guy. Like or you don't, you mean you don't want to see someone else be Doom guy because you were Doom guy. That was your doings. You got the reward. You got to experience saving the world. Like, you remember talking about that. Yeah, yeah, like, and I, I agree. I agree. With, I agree with your 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 statement on that. If you wanted to go into that a little bit more, yeah. Uh, so basically, I, I do think it works better as a first person um, medium or um, one where you don't see the protagonist. And I mean, in many cases, in some of these um, games, you also don't hear the protagonist. So, um, like Half Life or. Uh, Doom, mm-hmm. I, the most recent Doom, you might hear him, but I know in the old school Dooms, you didn't, you didn't hear him at all. Um, yeah. well, it's like it's like Halo, you hear him, but you never see him. Uh, yeah, except during the cutscenes or whatever else. Well, but... you don't, you you don't know who's under the mask. It could oh, be you under the mask. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I agree. I do think that uh, first person shooters um do lend themselves uh, or make it more difficult for you to actually give your protagonist a face. Um, and I've never seen that I can recall an entirely first person movie. Uh, there's um, one hardcore Henry, right? Yeah. I, I haven't seen it either, but I know that's one that was filmed specifically to be a first person movie. Right. And like, I know I didn't want to exclude any others if there were others out there that I have mm. just not heard of before, but, um, I still don't think that even the third person ones work very well because uh, as we talked about before, and I'm not sure if this portion got cut off or not, but the, the player control is more than just, you know, experiencing the, na- uh, the narrative from the first person or third person perspective, player control also plays into play styles um how fast or slow you want to defeat something or what type of challenges you you face or um yeah so even if uh, when the game is not happening necessarily to us in like a first person 
universe, it still feels oddly like personal because we're responsible for at least some of the choices that the character makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, ad- you know, in addition to like, um, and I guess that gets into another weird form of translating games to movies is, so if I was going to make a, an RPG movie, how do you decide something like pace of play versus pace that the story is told at that that's always been kind of fascinating to me. Um, so so how did you feel? Uh, I guess Warcraft, World of Warcraft, did it suffer from that? I I think so because even that, so World of Warcraft is such a um, expansive game, really different environments and. A lot of a lot of the sets in that movie felt um, felt kind of cramped. Um, felt almost like stage play sets. Um, I'm not sure if that was a result of the the animation style that they chose, where they like what type of blue screen or green screen that they were using in some of these environments. But the the environment um, in the game is just so massive. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, has all sorts of different neat architecture and I mean, they tried to, they tried to reflect some of that, uh, by showing Stormwind and, um, Elwyn Forest and a few other environments, but it, it just could not capture the, like the general scope of that game. Um, and I, I feel like the scope as well as the pace would be something that is really difficult to hone in on. Um, when you when you try to translate any sort of game uh, to to the film uh, medium, it, it's just not going to work out very well for you. Okay, yeah, I I just curious because I mean, of the the list of movies I have, not many of them are RPGs, and that might be a factor in it. Um, a lot of these are, I think, third person style games that that ended up becoming um, series. Um, like Resident Evil was never first person. Hitman wasn't. Um, Assassin's Creed isn't. That's that's coming out soon. That's coming out in December. And the more I've thought about Assassin's Creed since our first initial conversation, I, I I'm not behind it. I don't feel I don't feel confident in it. To yeah, be honest, me neither. I don't I don't either. And I mean it's it's nothing against the um, you know the. I guess the cast and crew that have been assembled. Um, mm. I didn't, I didn't see Macbeth, but um, I, I've wanted to see it and it looked very good to me. And we have that director on board. Um, uh, obviously Michael Fassbender, I think is very talented. Right. Um, and he normally picks his projects pretty well, I would say, but, um, and I, I like Marion uh, Cotillard. Cotillard. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Sorry. Right. And, and then you said Jeremy. Ar- you saw Jeremy Irons in the in the in the, as well. Right. Yeah. I just found out today that Jeremy Irons is in that movie. I didn't know that. Um, and so I'm a fan of a lot of these people, uh, their works. But I, I just, I just don't have a whole lot of faith. Even not being a big fan of the Assassin's Creed series, I just, I don't have. Uh, faith in this adaptation yeah i mean i agree like i i believe i like i like the assassin's creed games i mean don't get me wrong i enjoy them i enjoy all the all the the pieces the crew i'm sure they're putting a lot of love and 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 craft into this 
but there is just some, I don't know if it's some sort of curse, like maybe it's kind of like, you know, if to be relevant, the, the Chicago Cubs curse on video game movies because <laughs> Super Mario Brothers was just so bad when it first came out. Like, they're like you have 70 years of bad luck because you didn't make it right the first time. That's right. Kind of deal. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't feel strong. I don't feel strongly about it, but, um, that, that brings up something you, you told me, you told me to think about here and, um. I kind of I kind of lost it uh, while I was thinking. What was it you told me to think about right before yeah. we started recording? So it's it's just um, something that uh, came up during my research. I I wanted to know why you thought uh, games are deemed cinematic. Uh, mm-hmm. What what is it about that word or about that descriptor um, that y- you use to describe a game? And that's normally used as a compliment, right? Right, uh, but it's not necessarily a game that uh, they want to turn into a movie. Um, obviously, it's it's a game that maybe evokes feelings of film. But mm-hmm. um, do you think? I guess it's a two parter. One, um, why do you think that's used as a descriptor when um, we see evidence that <laughs> all of these video game movies are terrible? And two. Uh, th- if it's described as cinematic, um, do you think that that means it could translate to a, a better sort of experience? So, yeah, this is this is a tough one here, and I, I I do think I know why. So when I say a game is cinematic, to me, honestly, it probably means it has a lot more cutscenes than uh, than normal. Again, you know, you play a lot of games these days. Like they they translate between gameplay to cutscene without you even knowing. Sometimes, um, like the technology has come to that point where like you don't play like little the blocky characters, and then all of a sudden this big expensive CGI cutscene comes along, and you go back to your little blocky characters, and you know where each one exists, right? Um, I think we've come to that point where that is, but also I think. The stories video games are telling are much deeper than just, um, again, go save your princesses in another castle. Go defeat all the bad guys. I think the the, vill- the villains are getting more complicated. I think, I don't know if they're getting more cinematic. I just think the storytelling in video games is getting better. And I think cinematic is the, the term we use because we play it on the same television we watch movies on. I, th- uh, I think that is a really, really simple definition, but probably the most accurate. Because cinematic, like you you started off saying cinematic, you initially thought it referred to a movie that has a lot, or sorry, a game that has a lot of cutscenes in it. But you it can also be described as something that is, you know, large or beautiful mm-hmm. or expansive. And um, I think you're right. I think it just boils down to the fact that we, we experience it on a tv or on a screen um yeah and and sometimes you know again like you say you know uh the story the video game story starts the same and ends the same we don't have much say in how it starts or finishes we just kind of have some you know we push the steps in the journey because a lot of these games are pre-built you know like you don't have 18 endings and one little thing you do changes how the end of the game is you know what i'm saying um I know games. Some games have tried that. There are games that do that. That you know, oh my gosh, butterfly effect kind of deal for the whole game. Like you, you went down a wrong path earlier, so now you've got to live with these consequences. Um, 
but since a lot of games are already pre-booked out, like we know the story we want to tell and this is how it should happen, and we've just interspersed some random battles here or there with some quick time events, I think, you know, writing that out is kind of like writing a movie, making it very, writing a cinematic film out, and then, you know, putting your interactive parts in at points that really honestly don't matter. Your point is just to get from A to B and either kill the enemies along the way or platform and puzzle solve that, that, that path. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, even in some of the higher budget, uh, games that come out nowadays, you can definitely, um, you can pinpoint the different acts of the game. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that. Um, that would be definitely a time that you, you could describe the game as being cinematic when you when you can actually feel the the act transition um and it's readily identifiable like oh well yeah this is definitely the rising action of this film or this is the uh the we're getting towards the climax that sort of thing so right um, this is the the lowest point for the hero in the whole game right i always enjoy when you can actually pinpoint uh those those sort of ideas within within the uh within the game's uh storytelling However, to answer your second question, I'm going to go with the other thing and probably say something that I've, I've argued against, is that video games, I don't think, are on the same level as cinema and film. Um, the only thing that they probably have in common is, you know, um, development, finance, publishing, marketing, and management. They, okay. they, those are those are parallel. Like, you know, the business side's the same, right? But... It's hard to to say this because you know an example. Um, I I always refer back to Roger Ebert talking about this. I know he was very hated for how he felt video games not being art, but he he did bring up some points here that um, you know people who play regular games, you know pre video game games, Bobby Fischer or you know the Mahjong tournament winners, they don't consider their games you know cinematic or, okay. or artful. Sure. Um, so I, I, it's hard because you know, I, I I get some of these movie or some of these games are written to be like movies, and you just you're you're supposed to get to point A to point B no matter how you do it, so you feel like you did it, and and the the whole shebang is the same deal. But at the same time, I I don't I don't want to because of that difference because you can get to point A and point B differently, running gun, stealth, so on and so forth. That it it kind of it's it's not it's not a movie where you you may you know want to be invested in other characters other than yourself throughout the whole event. So you uh, agree with uh, Ebert when basically saying that it's it's a lower form of art, like it's inferior. I don't think it's a lower form. Of art. I think I think it's different. I think it's different, um, and that's why we get the divide here in video games and movies and why do they not interchange very easily but i i think i mean i know e- i know wrong. ebert i know ebert talked down to it okay, but i think okay. in, in his argument he made some good points as to why they're different okay well i mean then i won't be arguing with you i'll just be <laughs> arguing with ebert i suppose yeah yeah um but i, I my my main criticism with his uh, uh with his point there i guess is I mean not only well board games that's a different level of interactivity I don't even right. understand that comparison I'm just going to completely gloss over that one, <laughs> um, but for video games it 
it, in my in my mind, it is a form of art. But right now, it's it's too young. It is I, a very young form of art compared now, to film. Let me interject with a question here: Are these Madden and NF, NBA and NCAA football games are those art? If you're just playing a sport, I'm t- I'm talking about narrative. Okay, so so uh, just, I just want to clarify: I'm not trying to pick on you. I just want to say. Video games with narrative are what you're talking about, not yes. the not the not the the sports games that Correct. that exist in the same thing. I just want to double check. Yep. Okay. Um. And and really, I mean, not. I mean, I I I would think it, it would actually apply to a, a pretty narrow, uh, narrow scope of games. Um. And I mean, in a way, I guess you could say that uh, it might also apply to a more narrow scope of film. Hmm. Um. I don't know. I mean, it's I think little, to, it's getting I mean, a little to, hoity-toity, but yeah. Well, that that is your mo, if you will. <laughs> uh, to to just, me, you were just lobbing grenades at me tonight, man. I, I am, I am. You know, um, I, just because I can, really. Um, it's it's my game to play I with, you, if you will. Uh, actually, I mean, to me, I think you know, art is is evolved. Um, it's not you know just written stuff anymore. It's not you know, physical film being cut on the floor anymore uh, of, of, you know, great auteurs of, of the past. But, you know, if, if a game can invoke emotion and thought in you, then I, I think it's considered art. Um, there are there are games, you know, smaller games. Like, have you ever played Braid? Yes. Braid. Braid is... Braid or Limbo. Um, Braid or Limbo, exactly. Like, those are... Those make you think. They make you feel. They're visually enthralling games and you know they may not be these big shooters and other games we're talking about but i i don't know if the, i i think those are great forms of art and this is a whole different argument for a whole different day but do you think you could bring those into the movie world um yeah and i'm not I, saying I don't know, i'm not saying take a poem and 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 make it a film or you know turn turn a you know a painting into a novel kind of deal i was just curious because you know sure. th- things that are great in the video game world again aren't necessarily meant to translate to other mediums. Yeah, easily. I mean, I actually I really like what you said. Like, it's I wonder if that is uh, really a defensible like sort of essay topic. Wh- is that uh, tr- trying to say that uh, a video game can translate into a good movie is like saying that a you know. A, a book can translate into a good painting or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're just completely different forms of art. So, um, you know, how, how would we translate one to the other? Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a really interesting and kind of a good comparison. And, um, yeah, I like, I like where you went with that. Awesome. I chalk one up for me today. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I, I don't know where else to go from here. In all honesty, I. I've... Um. Well, I found an article online, and I'll credit the author here in a second. But um, I, I I like how he sums up his article. Um, his his point was basically what ours has been, and that is, that you you will you know, it's not going to be possible to uh, create a good film from a video game that elicits all the same emotions um, that a video game does and, you know, respects all the people involved mm-hmm. while making a good film. 
And so one of the quotes from, from his uh, essay is, uh, for sure you can write and shoot a story set in a world created by a video game. You can create a new narrative path for the character to traverse, and it might even be a better story than the one from the source material, but it still will never replicate the effect the game had on its players by letting them have an effect on it. And um, I think I think that's pretty succinctly put. Okay, so I mean, so you're saying, like, just to to make sure I'm on the same page, how you interact with a video game is not necessarily how the movie will interact with you back in return. Yes. Okay, great. I think I think that's a great. I think that sums it up awesomely. I think that that is our point we were trying to make with all this, and I think we finally wrapped our heads around it several times here. Um, um, that, just to give him credit, that's uh, the author, or it might be her. Sorry, it's. Uh, uh, Petra or Peter, I don't know, P-E-T-R, Nava, K-N-A-V-A, and that's from Think Pieces. Okay, um, I think I think it's a Russian name, I think it's it's like a, like a Pietro, Peter, kind of Russian, I think it's a male name. Gotcha. I took a lot, I, in my final year in, 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 at college, I had three Russian film classes in one semester. Nice, Let I loved my Russian film class, I took one. I like one. Three is not the same, man. They make you watch the same <laughs> movies over and over. Russia did not put out a lot of good movies. However, I will always, I will always remember the first time I got to see Nightwatch with the natural subtitles on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the subtitles that blend into the movie. Um, I don't know. Have you seen Nightwatch? I haven't. Okay, that so it's awesome though. I know what you're talking about though. Like I've yeah. seen, I've seen clips. I just haven't seen the whole movie like that. Yeah, so so the movie is is essentially Night Watch is, is very supernatural vampire hunters. These hunt demons and vampires. But an example is this kid gets a nosebleed in the water, and they're speaking in Russian, but the words in English are the blood in the water until right. he comes to and washes them away. And this is it, it. It takes subtitles and how they interact with the movie to a whole new level. And that that's again a conversation for a different day. But I I wish more movies took that kind of care and love. To, to do that, and I think a lot more people would probably watch um, international films if if they had that. So, uh, different topic for a different day, but yeah, I think we, we've kind of maybe nailed here why video game movies are bad. And ultimately, something we didn't talk about was how video games built from movies are terrible as well. Like you know, cheap oh. ports of of games that are that are just licensed from the films, right? I'm back yeah. and forth. Uh, I I can't think of a single good experience I've had with one of those games. I I don't uh, know, man. I, I don't have a whole lot to yeah. say on it other than yeah. you know it's it's kind of yeah. like licensed, cheap right. licensed toys or knockoff, whatever. Well, I, I think I well I think the point of it is it goes back to what you said. You know, one is gonna inter- you interact with it and the other one interacts with you. Yes, uh, kind of deal and and how you. Like they're both art forms, they can both stand on their own and be great and awesome and have their own audiences, and they don't have to mix to be successful. Um, so yes. we'll have to come back when Assassin's Creed comes out uh, this December and maybe you know not revisit this whole topic, but talk about you know where it's the most recent film, you know where, where was its shortcomings, but maybe what has it also learned over the years? Compare compare that to Super Mario Brothers. Watch right. them, watch them side by side, and and I mean maybe where it stood tall and where it was successful yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
So um, I think that's it. We've tried recording this five times. I hope this one finally took. If not, no big deal. We ended it half an hour ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to plug? You good? No, nah, man. We've we've now talked about this uh, topic for about four hours in total. So I think I'm I think I'm all set. I think I think we're good. Again, I'm Chris Dillard. You can find me on Comic UI. Or you can listen to my other podcast, Superhero Slate, where I talk a lot about um, superhero movies, which I reference a lot here. And that's my co-host, Patrick. Which, Patrick, I love you. Thanks for sticking it out with me. Yeah, man. And, and, every week. Hopefully. And not go, and not going postal on our technology issues we've had um, this week. Oh, gosh. So, uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll catch you guys next time. See you then. Thanks for listening.